Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of In the Odd at MSU, a behind-the-scenes look at the Michigan State University Department of Theater's productions and special projects. I am your host, Abby Taikaki. So the Department of Theater has over eight different performance venues on campus, a black box, a proscenium, a thrust, multiple studios, a concert auditorium, and even an outdoor courtyard used for our summer circle theater productions. Most of these spaces, along with the classrooms and design labs, are housed in the historic Michigan State University Auditorium building, and a crazy amount of experiential learning and creativity has occurred within the walls of the auditorium's gorgeous, gothic-inspired, pointed arches, oak paneling, marble floors. But as is often the case in the performing arts, the audiences only see the finished product. This podcast serves to shine a light on how the faculty and staff at the MSU Department of Theater are training future practitioners of the performing arts to challenge and redefine traditional theater as an artistic response to an ever-changing world, a look at what happens inside the auditorium. (laughs) So today, just in time for Halloween, we'll be exploring Quinn Matfeld's new stage adaptation of Mary Shelley's classic Gothic horror novel, Frankenstein. It's opening October 11 on the Passant stage at Wharton Center, and my guests today are director and assistant professor of theater and media acting Ryan Welsh and acting MFA candidate Abby Cathcart, who stars in the show. So welcome, Ryan and Abby. Thank you so much for being here for the first ever episode of In the Odd. Ah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited, and Abby and I are both excited to be mm-hmm. Abby's, spelled with an I-E. Spelled with an I-E. So join the Rare club. Breed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to throw it right to you, Ryan, as sure. the director. How did you land on Frankenstein, this adaptation, and why now? Yeah, so I'll start with um, there's – we actually have a season selection committee, so a lot of shows get pitched through that process um, that is composed of uh, faculty and students alike who come together to, to propose a season – um, I'm actually personal friends with Quinn, and um, he had he had sent me this adaptation when he finished it um, last year. It premiered with the Southwest Shakespeare Company, and um, he had uh, and I, I loved the language and the imagery. He has a real it's a it's a really lyric adaptation, um, uh, and so I I proposed it to the committee and um, uh, gently lobbied for it. And uh, was really happy when people were as excited about it as I was. Um, and one of the considerations that we have in that committee is to look at the um, look at our department as a whole and the needs of our department. So uh, what that means for our acting students is that uh, by and large we have um, a lot more um, female identifying uh, acting students uh, than we do male identifying and uh, uh, so that that comes into consideration. When the show came up, I had um, pitched it as an option to say, I think um, uh, either uh, the role of Doctor Frankenstein or his creature can be. Uh, we can we can flip the gender on that. Um, and at, at the at the time, it was a uh, sort of <clears throat> and it was uh, it was a sort of academic question. And then I. Um, at once it was approved and I had time to start conceptualizing what the show was going to be before we cast it. I kind of sat with each idea and what that would mean and the implications of um, what does it mean to have uh, a woman in the role of Dr. Frankenstein versus the creature. And um, what started to come up for me as I was reading that and, and considering it was that uh, 
that I felt like the creature is a really easy one in our gender bias to go, of course, that's got to be a guy because it's associated with things that we typically associate with a, a more masculine or uh, energy and there's, there's a sort of raw power and animalistic quality. Um, uh, uh, the creature is not messing around in this play. And, uh, and so I got really excited at first by the idea of subverting our expectations around that and, um, and discovered immediately uh, that everything I thought I knew about the play was was um, was completely, at least different, if not wrong. Um, yeah, it was um, really eye-opening. There were moments where I discovered, um, you know, a, a different type of tenderness between Frankenstein and his creature that, you know, I had to be really honest with myself in rehearsals and going, you know, I don't know that I would have seen that or or um, invited it in the in the dynamic um, if it was two men and it would have been and it would have been the worst for it you know that that on on the one side that we that will you know that we don't uh, that we avoid that type of like tenderness or that 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 type of uh, uh, intimacy um, and then uh, and then I, it it for me it also had me question like why we assume we need a big hulking thing mm -hmm. stomping around the stage to be scary. Um, we had our final dress last night, and I can say definitively that Abby's creature is the most unsettling that I've uh, that I've seen in any adaptation. Um, that's amazing. So, yeah, yeah spoiler alert. That's why <laughs> Abby's alert. here. You have the, the fortune of being cast as the creature. Yeah, absolutely. And I can assure everybody who can't see Abby that she's neither big nor hulking. Like, she's... <laughs> And only moderately scary. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm going to wait to see it to decide whether how scary you are because I have heard. I've heard it's frightening. Yeah, I have heard. Okay, no, so, awesome. so what has the experience of playing such an iconic role that everyone thinks of as male or masculine? What's that been like? And have you found? Uh, like, did anybody find any instances where the creature has been portrayed as female previously? I hadn't. Um, I, when I, I did some research and just in preparation and just wondering if this had been done before, and it might have been, but in my research, I hadn't really seen uh, uh, many examples of that or really any. And so, which is surprising to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it's really telling also because mm -hmm. it was written by a woman, and I was reading a scholarly article about how um, Mary Shelley actually, at least this this person, um, they pitched that she actually wrote it as almost a form of therapy because mm -hmm. she had a chi uh, troubled childhood and mm -hmm. she had a mostly absent father and how she saw a lot of herself in the creature. And so it seemed like almost a natural choice for the creature to be female, mm -hmm. but I think that it's just, it was written as male and it was written mm -hmm. in a male dominated time and it has just mm -hmm. been um, perpetuated and it's become iconic as a male figure. And so mm -hmm. I can see how it wouldn't have been uh, a choice that someone would have naturally jumped for, but I'm really, really happy that it that it was taken in yeah. that direction yeah. because I feel like, especially now, um, where we are in the country and where we are on this campus, I think that having um, a voice from somebody from the margin coming on and and uh, mm. experiencing these really visceral, um, uh, just 
moments of, of, of grief and of trying to figure out their place in the world, mm. trying to figure out their relative power is um, really important. And it's been a very eye-opening experience for myself. Um, I would walk in to the rehearsal room and I would have this um, idea of, I, you know, all I know is my own experience. And I'd have this idea of walking into the room and, and being in with my scene partner and like, obviously because of my stance or because of the way that I appear, like, yeah, I'm, you know, they're, they're going to be scared of me. Right. And then I get feedback that, oh, actually, no, this Victor is seven inches taller than you. And mm -hmm. you're, you're just, you physically, you're not demanding in that traditional sense of this like massive creature that has all this power it's just it doesn't read as obviously so how can we find other ways of finding mm -hmm. that and so that's made me think about being f female identifying and how I am read from the outside world mm -hmm. right um and that yeah. has been super interesting okay well very well put and I want to hear I want to hear more so like, what sort of exploration did you guys do within the rehearsal process to to create a creature who was female but yet does not mess around like you said um, well Ryan had um, he definitely had this uh, image of the creature and he uh, very much embraced that she was that she was going to be female identifying and that her her uh, physiology would be different and so how can we how can we make that work and how um, how can she instead of being this kind of um, he, he used a lot of uh, imagery and that really works for the way I I interpret things and the way I learn and so looking at her as more of this uh, like just different kind of animal rather mm -hmm. than being this like lumbering rhinoceros that mm -hmm. destroys everything in their path, uh, something that is equally as deadly but uses different tactics mm -hmm. without revealing too much. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's true. We had, because um, yeah, I, I hadn't fully realized until I saw Cameron who plays Dr. Frankenstein and Abby next to each other, that, uh, you know, that I was like, oh, Cameron is like 6'4", and he's... Um, so building a scene where we believe that, that this guy is going to be, um, really, uh, unsettled and, and afraid, uh, for his safety. Um, it, uh, for me, I wanted to lean into qualities that had, um, that were rooted in more like, uh, I forgot the word for it. Animals on four legs. Um, um like almost like a feline kind yeah. of kind of a, a, a big cat predatory yeah. kind of idea um, was was something that we had toyed with. Um, I've also always been inspired and fascinated with um, the Japanese dance art of Butoh, uh, which mm, is wow. terrifying. <laughs> uh, like it, it was, it was to my knowledge, and if there's an expert out there and I'm butchering this, I <laughs> profoundly apologize. I, but there's a, um, that it was born um, post- um, uh, the the post uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki um, as a as and the dance um, traditionally is done covered in white powder oh. mm. and it's um, uh, it, it's these sort of like fast jerking motions um, that meet these like long suspended uh, moments of tension uh, and and where we see it popularly uh, is in films like The Ring or um, The Grudge mm -hmm. you know you have these the way that the the um, scary things move in that. Um, some of those ideas have been borrowed there. 
So I think we wanted to play with some of that idea too, that um, we never know what to expect from the body of this creature, that in in one moment it's sort of taut in perfect stillness, and then in the next it's it's um, snapping toward you very quickly. And that, um, so we, we had a lot of conversations around how to do that. And um, Abby's an incredibly physical actor. So she translates, at least from the outside observation, that she translates a lot of choices physically, like how to, how to embody this idea. Um, and watching her process that information was was um, was a rewarding experience as well as a director just you know giving an idea and then watching an actor go yeah 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 let my let my body do some processing on that and then she'd come out with really um, really scary things wow. that like were really it was really <laughs> unsettling. Um, there was one thing you had asked about why now and I just wanted yeah. to throw this to circle back I wanted to throw this out there. Um, there was one of the things that ended up highlighting in the dynamic um, that I didn't notice when it was two guys uh, is the is this idea of, um, or it's twofold. One is the blind ambition of mm-hmm. uh, the protagonist, how he, he's so obsessed with, um, with his, this, this sort of fight against death, the, you know, the idea that he can conquer death that he he doesn't consider at all the impact of his actions on the people around him. And then when we when we um, took the casting of the creature um, and flipped that, it became really clear to me that uh, uh, more clear to me that Victor actually um, uh, he he is he traumatizes this person. Um, Com- completely without any um, consideration for <laughs> this creature's well-being, mm-hmm. um, and there's it, it really highlighted that aspect of um, of trauma mm-hmm. and the, and how the creature deals with that. The whole second act of the play, in some ways, is a journey through the creature's uh, survival of that initial um, violent reawakening and and painful reawakening. Um, and, uh, and, and we sort of, we sort of view this, um, view this creature as she, as she goes through, um, all these different stages of grief and pain and anger and, 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 um, the desire to execute some really terrible revenge. And, and, and so it, it started to feel a little more poignant for today, mm-hmm. um, in that conversation because Honestly, and maybe this is just me, but I, I've seen a lot of two guys wanting revenge and beating the hell out of each other, um, mm-hmm. and it and it, it it doesn't impact for me in that way. But like watching, creating a really visceral experience um, for this show and for these characters, um, and and watching how they they one wrong leads to another wrong leads to another wrong and it's 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 just people these characters traumatizing one another and that trauma trickling downhill to every other character in the play yeah. like they they it it starts with one character and it doesn't stop until it touches like everyone in the play i just did a quick like mental check i was like is there anyone that escapes the trauma of the show maybe waldman mm. oh, one yeah. of the professors yeah, she just kind of she kind of stokes the fire in Victor, yeah. and then she like backs off. And then she backs off. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was something that I hadn't really thought about when I was going in for the part. Um, 
and I was just like, oh yeah, like this is a really cool part. And I didn't ever thought that there would be a, a woman who could do this or female identifying person who would get the opportunity to do it. So I was mostly thinking of it as like this really cool yeah. opportunity that I was excited about. And then in the callback, um, Ryan pointed out this, what he just said about um, the trauma that exi exists there and how um, the power dynamics are specific Mm -hmm. um, for this interpretation, mm -hmm. this adaptation. And that immediately registered for me as, oh, this is not only fascinating, a fascinating character study, but also important and could maybe, um, it just be thought provoking in a different way and yeah. maybe like bring up some other mm -hmm. conversations. So I was like, oh, that's, it's, it's achieving multiple things. Yeah. That's amazing. And the first time, Ryan, that you spoke to me about your your concept for this production, it blew me away. And that was the moment that I said, we need a podcast so that other <laughs> people can hear this, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. beyond the director's notes sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so th thank you for that. You know, I don't really even talk about it in the director's note. You know? I just oh. sort of let it be. Because mm -hmm. I think we're in a place where we have to, we have to find the balance between... Mm -hmm. um, so I really appreciate the way that uh, in, in the UK that they do this right now, that a lot of their television is inclusive in the way that um, that they'll have characters, they'll have diverse characters and representation um, that they don't comment on. Mm, so right. it's not, you know, it's it's like, yeah, this is a world where these two parents are women and we're not going to say a word about that. Right. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think we there's kind of a desire. Kind an extension of the Bechdel test. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that mm -hmm. there's kind of a desire, um, I think, in entertainment and in, you know, in some of those fields to like in the U.S. right now to sort of um, to to in the way that we write the material to sort of hang a lantern on, like, see what we did mm -hmm. here see how inclusive we're being and um so uh, anyway for the director's note i made it more universal mm -hmm. to what i think the truths of the play are um but uh but yeah i i the the it was what this play taught me and the process taught me about uh sort of gender dynamics was uh a, a lot more than i had anticipated um you know why why is it okay in my mind to watch uh, two men beat the hell out of each other? Right. Why does that not raise any flags for me? And then the moment I see, you know, a man um, executing the same violence that would have been on another man, but now on a woman, why does that flag differently? Right. And mm -hmm. why does in moments where um, Abby brings such vulnerability and tenderness to the creature's experience, why would I not expect to see that from men? So like the way that we, mm -hmm. the way that it crosses into both areas, not just the way that we view women, but also like, w why have we set up a, a, mm -hmm. a dynamic where we expect men to be hulking brutes who beat the hell out of each other and and um, and not to be able to be vulnerable or, or have these these um, kind of crumbling moments of, of, of uh, yeah, crumbling moments of vulnerability, you know, right. um, and and then vice versa. Why, right? When we see a woman beating the hell out of a guy, <laughs> well, you know, uh, why do we cheer for that differently? Which we do, right. by the way. We totally cheer right. for it. Absolutely. Oh, and yeah. you'll cheer for it in the show too. I'm, She's crazy. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. 
Yes, That's I awesome. am here for that. Yeah, um, really cool. So, okay, so then uh, maybe as a, a closing question, um, I feel like you've explored it a lot, but there's always that moment in, in producing theater where you hope that what you're intending to portray on stage translates to what the audience takes mm. away from the show. What what do you hope, do each of you hope, the audience takes away from this production? Or are you cool with them taking whatever they want? <laughs> and everyone mm. has their own experience. I mean, I'm, I'm frankly really curious to hear what other people take away from this production because I have a really clear idea in my head mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I am curious about that. Uh, I, I hope that they are equal parts Almost, it's like I want I want it all to hit home, um, but I hope that they are equal parts aware of the gender dynamics and also aware of the universality of these mm-hmm. struggles. Right, and I I hope that that um, causes them to to just think about how those things reflect in in life. Um, I mean, everyone knows. They think about uh, Frankenstein as like that black and white um, yeah. movie mm-hmm. or young Frankenstein. It's so yeah, like, much larger than life. I only think of the creature as a giant man wearing a tuxedo singing, putting on the dress. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know that's not at all what this is. No, my, my Instagram <laughs> handle is like from young Frankenstein. I love that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I always think of too immediately. Um, and so I hope that they also uh, take that and then they come yeah. into this kind of slightly different thing and then mm. um, enjoy its differences there mm. and think awesome. about yeah yeah on the um on the like sort of hyper artistic level <laughs> yes. i really hope that they examine their own gender biases mm-hmm. um and that's a true sentiment um and then that mixes in equal parts with the geek in me mm. who just i hope some like I think that films sort of took a corner market on like this is we are the medium that can scare people because mm-hmm. we can uh, cultivate and curate images specifically to your fear. Um, and you, with a stage, it's, it's, it's different. We have to approach that differently. And I'm, I hope people have a good time in yeah. the way that we have a good time when we see a horror film, like that, right. that they're genuinely unsettled or, um, or frightened by some of the things that they see. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, good time is a weird way to describe what you're going to experience with the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I I hope I hope that it fits the season. Yeah. <laughs> of cool. Halloween. I agree. That's I think I think scary is a very hard thing to do on a stage versus mm-hmm. on a on a screen. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, awesome. So, um the MSU Department of Theater Production of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uh adapted by Quinn Matfeld is uh Matfeld runs October 11 through 20 at the Passant Theater at Wharton Center. Tickets are now on sale at whartoncenter.com, at the Wharton Center box office, or by calling 1-800-WHARTON. I want to thank Ryan Welsh and Abby Cathcart for being here today and being my first guests. I want to thank our sound engineer, Daniel Trago, over there in the booth. I also want to thank the chair of the Department of Theater, Kirk Domer, along with Dean Christopher Long and Ryan Kilcoyne of the College of Arts and Letters for supporting this project. 
And a huge thank you and welcome to our audience. We so appreciate your listening to our first pod. I am Abby Taikaki, and this has been In the Odd, a Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters podcast. You can learn more about all the Department of Theater productions and special projects at theater.msu.edu. I'll be back in a few weeks with another behind-the-scenes look into what happens at 542 Auditorium Road in East Lansing, Michigan. And until then, support your local performing arts and go green. Go white!